Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome everyone to Ross's Retro Review here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet's Patreon page. I am Ross, reviewing the retro of Insurrection, try saying that when you're drunk. <laughs> and today I'm joined by a man who calls himself the GOAT, greatest of all time. I like to think of, think of him as a deceptive, ignorant, callous knucklehead. Please welcome the dick, David Campbell. This is all true. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologise for nothing. <laughs> I'm happy to be on here. Very happy. You know why? Why? Because I started watching wrestling in 2006. <laughs> so anything you throw at me in this show, I'll have... Zero idea about it. I watched this show like in isolation. Yes. Deliberately did no research outside, outside of, of that two and a half hours. So I have a shit ton of questions today. See, there are people like Sarah Grieve, there are people like David Hockney who are also later viewers to wrestling. That's exactly what I want here. I want different people's perspectives. I've got Scott who remembers watching bits of this when he was younger when I watched it. I've got Gary and Derek who were in their mid-teens watching this. I've got Stephen and Strack, who watched it at the same time as me. So I like the different perspectives. That's the good thing about this. If you're listening and you weren't watching at the time, we will provide certain parts of context here just to make sense out of certain things because there is so much in the six days from backlash to rebel <laughs> insurrection, sorry, that happened. But first, you are listening to our $4 and $6 level on Patreon. Uh, if, of course, you can't afford the $4 or $6, for a certain month, we do realise it's the holiday season, then you can drop down to our $1 tier, uh, it's still helping provide a service, plus you will get David and Scott's Saturday Draft live show following the Suplex Retweet Fantasy Draft and all month long for December and maybe in January, we don't know when this goes out, <laughs> Smackdown and Raw reviews will be free for everyone and in the coming months we may be introducing a free tier where you can follow us, get a wee taste of what we offer, and if you feel like, hey, for a wee month, you guys splurge for the $4 and $6, that'd be very much appreciated. At Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow us there, you can ask us questions, our Suplex Retweet fan community. Suplex Retweet on Android, iTunes, Spotify for our free feed, a plethora of interviews, previews, and reviews. And if you can't remember any of this, suplexretweet.com, just go there, it is all there. And breathe, and breathe. That's the rapping practice done oh for the God. day. Vocal <laughs> warm ups for Ross McLeod. Coming to the Patreon one dollar to you. I'm just feeling like a rap god. I'm going to wrap my presents when I get in, so that's the only rap I'll be doing this evening. So, for years, Insurrection 2000, which comes to us from Earl's Court in London, Saturday, May 6, 2000. This was available in my local blockbuster. And do you know that thing you used to do when your mum and dad were in a shop? Yes. And you'd go look at the videos or the DVD. You'd just be looking at pictures, but it was better than going, Oh, look, there's a radish. Can we get radishes? <laughs> no, we've got radishes in the fridge. But for years, this was available at my local blockbuster. For years, I have wondered what happened in that arm wrestling match with the cat and Terry. For years, I have looked at the pictures of these matches. <laughs> And it was only when I watched the back, and we'll talk about this match a wee bit later on, the Hardys v Edge and Christian was actually on a free video set that you got with the News of the World. 
It was a, a free tape called Live in the UK. It had four matches on it from WWE's time in the UK and Hardy Boys and Eddie Christian from this paper he was on it. Which is probably one of the better matches on this card, to be yeah. fair. So I was just sitting watch I was sitting watching it, I guess about halfway through, and I'm just sitting going, I've seen this match. <laughs> I've seen this match about a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, but how similar were their matches back then? Because oh, get to this later on, mm. it seemed it was a good match, but it was also a pretty formulaic one. You yeah, know I mean? they wrestled quite a bit, and it. Edge and Christian are a team from, I believe, late '98 to mid 2001. Right. But all their title runs, all seven, WrestleMania 2000 to WrestleMania 2001. That is every title they win. That's how quickly titles change hand. So the opening promo package. The Rock is the WWF champion. The Rock is the biggest star in wrestling at this point. WCW is on its arse. Stone Cold is out injured. The Undertaker is out injured. There is one big baby face in the company. He is The Rock. There is nothing done here to promote The Rock. Mm. It is all done to promote the McMahon family drama. So, some context for those that don't know, and David. <laughs> WrestleMania 2000, there was a McMahon in every corner. Backlash. The McMahons were all in Triple H's corner, except Linda, who gave The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin. At WrestleMania, the McMahons screwed The Rock, so Backlash Austin screwed the McMahons and got The Rock the title. Now, in the week since Backlash, Shane McMahon has announced he wants the WWF title. He wants to carry the McMahon name, not Triple H. And all we see here is McMahon family drama yet again. If you wonder why people hate pre-NXT Triple H, this is why. <laughs> this is one of many reasons why. What were your thoughts seeing the promo package, not knowing the card, not knowing context, and seeing that basically the card was just Triple H, Shane McMahon? The thing I will say, I think there's positives and negatives about it. From the promo package and then all the way through the show, they do a great job of building to that main event and hyping that main event because it made you want to see it. The odds are stacked against The Rock. It's two McMahons on one rock stuck between a rock and two McMahons in a hard place, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Uh, but you are right, There's it, it does dominate the entire show and it's a different story if it's like three talents you've hired to put in that spot. But the fact that it's all the owners of the company yeah. <laughs> like in that position, like you would criticise that at a more local level, but at an international level, the McMahon seem to get away with it. Um, so I actually, I totally agree with you. It was one of the first things I spotted, and I was like, oh, so nothing has changed <laughs> in like 20 years since. Yeah, this is why people are kind of sick of the authority figures. Like, it's fine to have maybe like a William Regal, a matchmaker. Someone who will abolish the heels and maybe say to the faces, well, actually, if you want this match, you're going to have to wait. You can't just, you know, make the, I make the rules here. Yeah. That's fine, fair enough. But it just seems here as if Gary Kern had mentioned on the WrestleMania podcast, people hate WWE because they've made them hate it because how often have they made the company yeah. the bad guy? Exactly. The company is the bad guy. The company is holding these talents down. Yeah, exactly. And it's like what you say, like if it's an authority figure like, that's out. <laughs> if it's an authority figure like Jack Tunney or something like that, yes. I prefer that. See someone who, William Regal isn't on NXT mm, every week. Yeah. I don't want someone, do you know who is great? Most recent example of a great general manager, Paige. 
Yes. Paige wasn't there every week, and when Paige was there, she was just there to like get the matches and stuff done. You yes. know what I mean? Like what you're saying here. This at the time was probably hadn't been done as much before, so I get why people weren't as averse to it then. We'll talk about the crowd and all that and how into it they are, but I see this then and I see it now and I know nothing has changed and it's grown yes. stale. So it sort of colours your looking back at it. Yeah, 100%. So, our opening match, Too Cool versus The Radicals. Dean Malenko, the light heavyweight champion, and Perry Saturn. So the pop for Too Cool at this point, Too Cool, aren't in that, they don't get mentioned with, you know, Edge, Christian, you know, the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys. Those damn Dudleys. Those damn Dudleys. <laughs> but I I would fight anyone and say they were the most popular tag team at this point because the pop they get, the reason WWE always go for the, the fat dancing guy that nothing can hold them down, the reason they go for the dancing baby faces that just like to have fun, is because of Too Cool. They've tried to replicate this and they've never been able to. It likely it was in the 90s and the 2000s. The Too Cool were two guys as singles competitors that weren't doing it. And when they put them together, they managed to create something exceptionally special. It's something of the 90s. Like, yeah. it's like, I, when I've seen it, one of the things I wrote here was very weird. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't around for that culture. Yeah. I was there as that culture was, like, dying Die out. out yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't know that there was people who were actually like that, yes. like, in real life on the streets. You know what I mean? But, yeah, right, and that's one of the things. It's the pop for too cool, but it's also, like, those attitude era crowds, man. Mm. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the signs. The yeah. amount of signs, the bodies, the movement of the crowd and how invested they all are and it's yes. like night and day compared to the current product and I think that's one of the things they haven't done well with Too Cool though. Undoubtedly, I could feel I was invested in them yes. and I didn't know they were that popular. I was buzzing. I was like, yes, here we go. Something from Gary to Derek Kernahan, he mentioned was in the 90s and the 2000s, the early 2000s, if you were working, if you were at school, if you were at college, if you were at university, Everyone watched the wrestling either just as a casual observer on Monday night, mm -hmm. as the WCW diehards that wouldn't let it go, yeah. as people who watched it with their kids, or people that kids watched it, people that were dead into it, and every single time someone went to the wrestling, they took a sign. Because we've heard stories of people confiscating AEW signs, or Ring of Honor signs, yeah. or TNA signs, or stuff like that. But back in the day, they just told the fans, go wild. And don't get me wrong, we look back and we see certain signs, we're like, maybe we could take that off them. But it was of the time, it was WWE giving the fans a voice. Yeah. And you know, I, some of the voices we didn't agree with, but they were drowned out by so many other signs. And I mean, it's like the taboo around the sign these days. Like, that's one of the things that's completely lost in wrestling is the yeah. sign because it was like the fans and the kids and it's like an event leading up to there it's like yeah I'll make the sign today before we go to the wrestling tonight damn yeah. we'll take it with us and that's part of the joy and the experience mm -hmm. of it when you're taking that away and you're censoring it too much and I think that's part of the overall presentation just to get in a sort of general bit more like it's all too polished nowadays like yeah. this was a lot more simple setup not if everything was like completely airtight in terms of oh this looks great and pristine and it was so much more it was easier to watch man it was yes. just so much more digestible something as well about the crowd as much as there was kids there what got me was the 18 to 30 year old demographic that were there 
it was male and female teens from 18 to 30 that were there and they were rabid mm. they they wanted something new yeah you know, i suppose like the mtv generation as they call it you know yeah. came about as the attitude day they came about yeah reality tv south park this all came about around about the same time mm. and while mtv was not as popular by this point because you had like you have some cd players and other things free music channels coming in south park was dying down a bit because of the simpsons and um family guys just starting off popularity WWE were just going for strength to strength to strength. It wasn't wrestling because WCW was dying, BCW yeah. was dying. It was WWE that were going from strength to strength to strength. Yeah. And it was just, it's just so good to see. You, you miss it. Aye. It's one of those things like that entire 90s culture revolved around like this sort of countercultural attitude. And I think WWE were in a strong position with the fact that they were the underdogs in a way going into the Monday Night Wars, if that makes sense, because people still latched onto them as like that underdog you can get behind. And it's like what you're saying with Gary's talking about, they turned themselves into yeah. the corporate overlord that yeah. they actually wanted to take down in Ted Turner, you know what I mean? I always make the, the comparison of the Galacticos and La Mastia in Spanish football. You know, Barcelona haven't became, they've suddenly turned themselves into a corporation, but they used to be the team that brought their own talent through. Mm -hmm. And they would sometimes buy back a talent they let go because yeah. they went elsewhere to hone their skills. Yeah. Whereas Real Madrid would go to Inter Milan, Real Madrid would go to Barcelona themselves in Luis Figo, they would go Man to United, Juventus, right. they'd go to Man United, and they would take stars that were already built and try and basically say, do what you did there here. Yeah. But not that it didn't have the same effect. Mm -hmm. You know, for so long the Galacticos didn't win anything. Yeah. Whereas you see, and that's sort of what WCW was like. They had Hogan, Savage, Perfect, all the eighties crew. Yeah. Didn't do anything with them. Exactly. Whereas they brought through the Rock. Stone Cold might have been an ECW and a WCW guy, but Stone Cold Steve Austin is a WWE character. They gave him a main event. Yeah. Chance as well. Paul Levesque is a WCW guy. Triple H is a WWE creation. Yeah. DX is a WWE creation. Kane is a WWE creation. Bill Buchanan. Bill Buchanan. The Canadian's <laughs> Bill Buchanan. I am very complimentary on We're the WrestleMania have. review, the Backlash <laughs> review, and this review. We're going to have a talk about Bill Big Buchanan. Big Buchanan. <laughs> but see, an our point I had with Too Cool, right? Mm. I only knew them really through reputation. Mm -hmm. Like the worm and the showmanship and stuff like that. I didn't realise Too Cool could actually work. Yes. Now, I know they're in the ring with Dean Malenko <laughs> and Benny Saturn, who are renowned for being like the sort of like, like meat and potatoes wrestlers, you know yes. what I mean? Like getting down with the technical stuff. But I'll be honest here, this match, I was expecting Attitude Era, we, we discussed mm. it in a previous uh, debating chamber, Attitude Era, all about the show, not really about the wrestling. I really enjoyed the action in this match. So, <laughs> something because there was a six-man Radicals versus Too Cool with Fikishi. Right. Then at WrestleMania, it was Radicals versus Too Cool with China. Right. Of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> and when I did the backlash review with Hockney, I said I was relieved that six days before, Scotty Too Hotty, when Grandmaster Sexy got injured, on the SmackDown after WrestleMania, won the light heavyweight title from Dean Malenko. He then lost it to Dean Malenko on the SmackDown before backlash. Blinko then defeated Scotty Too Hot in his rematch. And I said I was glad that Scotty and Dean Malenko got a chance to shine. You know, fight over the lightweight title, which is basically just a prop at this point. Yeah. No more tag matches with the Radicals and Too Cool. We've seen it. Six days. 
Six, seven <laughs> days later, how wrong I was. Here are two of the radicals, the last two remaining basically because the other ones have left. They are like, do you know these films that come out like epic movie and it's like two um, of the six guys yeah. from Scary Movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that these are these are the two six guys. These are the two guys. <laughs> these are the, the two of the four guys that bought you the radicals. <laughs> and as we see the radicals, like that's the thing, like. I miss factions in wrestling. Yes. I do. I don't think we have enough, like, even mid-card factions just to give guys something to do. You know what I mean? But I hated the fact that I assumed this was the end of the Radicals after this match. And it just, like, died with a complete whimper. JR's like, well, I guess no more Radicals. (laughs) See, people say the Radicals are buried upon arrival. However, for three of the four pay-per-views in a row that they lost to Tuko, yeah. The crowd loved it. The crowd did not care at all. Because <laughs> the radicals were brought in. Their, their purpose was because DX and the McMahons were going after Cactus Jack. Mm-hmm. So Cactus Jack brought in some radicals. Yeah. Only to find out that McMahons had got wind of this and paid them more. <laughs> of course. And then Too Cool, Rikishi, The Rock and Kane became Mick Foley's sort of pseudo-stable against them. Because Kane had problems with X-Pac, the Radicals all of a sudden get smashed together with Tuku, right. and Mick Foley was going after Triple H, and they're all catered Triple H as well. Yeah. So that was sort of the story, and you're just like, if you just let them, because DX, we'll talk about them later, they're on their arse. They're on their arse here, it's Road Dog, it's Road Dog and Tory <laughs> here on the show, folks. They're on their arse, and if you just let them feud, it would have been so much better. I know Billy Gunn gets injured in the February, but you could easily just put China back in and then have China and Eddie separate away and be like the Romeo and Juliet here. We we don't want in your warring factions yeah. and just leave it X Park, Road Dog and someone else. Maybe Tory. Damn. Against Salton, Malenko and Benoit. I'll there take, you go. I'll take your word for that. And I think one of the reasons why is because Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn, God love them, boring as fuck. Oh, they are like, so boring. Do you know the most exciting thing I wrote down about Dean Malenko here was great side Russian leg sweep. <laughs> I'm very, the best side Russian leg sweep I've ever seen because I've always seen like the Miz, I love the Miz, right, but he hits a side Russian leg sweep and it doesn't look like it hurts. Dean Malenko hit a side Russian leg sweep here and it was the first time I was like, oh, that's a mean looking side Russian leg sweep. <laughs> so we talked about the Radicals being sort of dead on their feet. The story of the match here is that the Radicals are dead on their feet. The story of the match here is Saturn's jealous because Malenko won the light heavyweight title twice. Benoit has won the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. Eddie Guerrero, when he aligned with China, won the European title the night after WrestleMania. So Saturn is the only person not to hold gold. He's the only person here that has not done anything with his title. Uh, And basically, the crowd don't care about that either. It is just, (laughs) I've wrote here, standard fair tag match, two cool win. Yeah. Is that safe to say? I, I would agree with that in, in terms of the story. Um, I think Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are maybe a bit... I think they're a great commentary team, right? Yeah. But I do think people look at them with rose-tinted uh, glasses oh, sometimes okay. because they didn't sell that story to me. Yes. As maybe as well as they could do. Yes. Instead, they're... <laughs> 
having arguments about Jerry Lawler using Cockney rhyming slang or something like that, <laughs> like full show, you know, Jesus. and that's that's part of the problem because if that that story's hit home, Dean Malenko, champion Perry Saturn, is extremely jealous of them. That turn wouldn't to me seem as though oh, it comes out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. But again, can't put that on the commentary team. Also, the subpar acting ability of yes. Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn, not to sell that story as well. So there's a bit of dissension after the match, the Radicals scrap in the ring together and as we mentioned, end of the line for the Radicals, Eddie, who's in action with China later on, once he loses the European title, him and China feud with Val Venus and Trish Stratus in a mixed tag feud over the Intercontinental title. Right. Benoit breaks out on his own and just becomes the, the well-known technical wrestler we know him as. Perry gets t- paired with Terry. Try saying that. Of fast. course. Perry and Terry. <laughs> Have a sherry. That makes perfect sense. Do you think that was one of those late night writers rooms yes. where it's three in the morning, they're steaming. You know what two names right. <laughs> he doesn't do much to the moppy gimmick and that's how bad Terry is. Moppy, a wooden object is less wooden than Terry. <laughs> it's more over than Terry. We'll get to Terry. Perry, uh, Perry wins the European title from Eddie Guerrero at the next pay-per-view Judgment Day, which I'll be discussing with Jack Graham. Yeah. Uh, and that allows them to break away, Eddie and China to break away fully. Malenko doesn't do anything. He, he's given in the gimmick of the most interesting man in the world. He's surrounded by women and you can tell he's not comfortable with it. He doesn't like it. He holds a light heavyweight title for a good while, but he re- mainly just wrestles on heat and metal yeah. and Jack, the secondary shows of the day. And as as it dies a whimper. Yeah. So like radicals. Yeah. <laughs> Dead on arrival. DOA. Should have been their name. So we cut backstage, we see a bit too much of Mae Young for my liking. Mm. You see her firing up the cat. Mm. You know, for 80s fans, David, Hulk Hogan Andre to Saturday Night Main Event. That for us was the match they tuned in for Saturday Night's Main Event has Broken all sorts of wrestling records. Where do you go in here? <laughs> See, for us, the Attitude Era fans. See the rematch from WrestleMania 2000. Mm-hmm. Terry and Cat 2. Oh. This time, it's an arm wrestle. Oh, oh this, this, is, this is what one WWE the Monday Night Wars. <sighs> this, this one WWE, <laughs> the Monday Night Wars. What do you think of this? <laughs> the, the match, everything, all of it. Just the, just the promo itself. Just the setup. The, the, aye, the fact that they're building to an arm wrestling match. I. <laughs> I think I did the diversity show in wrestling when we, we were recording this like a week ago. And you know sometimes you talk a bit generically and you fear, am I being a bit too harsh on this period? Am I taking it in total? Oh, yeah. And then I watch this pay-per-view. <laughs> and I say to myself, nope. I am completely justified in my opinion of it. Because honestly, like, and it's the fact as well, see the fact that you need two elderly women to do the heavy lifting of making the characters interesting yeah. <laughs> on television. You had to put Moolah and Buddy Mae Young with these two ladies who two just can't talk. Like the cat completely wouldn't. Oh, she's awful. Uh, Terry completely wouldn't. But the fact they needed Mae Young and Moolah as their valets is even more laughable in the situation. Do you know what gets me through all of this? is the fact that, and I mention this a lot, and I don't know if you've heard me mention it before, do you know what the bio on Terry Reynolds' Twitter says? No, tell me. 
Pioneer and Trailblazer. Right, okay. That, that's that self-named Pioneer and Trailblazer. WWE Diva Original. Yes, original is quite clearly not the best. Mm. You are the anti-Iron Brew. She is, she is new Iron Brew before it became a thing. Oh. Like, bringing Trish back is like bringing the Iron Brew back at the minute. Yes, the one we're drinking currently. Yes, yes the one we're bringing. <laughs> Terry right. back would be like when your toilet doesn't fully flush after you've had an Indian meal. You don't want that brought back. <laughs> it's like, do you know what sounds good? What if we went back to rationing? <laughs> <laughs> Just brutal. So, from one old generic person to another old generic person, as Vince McMahon comes out and says he will make sure there is a new WWF champion and it will be a McMahon, damn it. See, this was six days after Backlash and then the Attitude Era Titles changed hands, you know, left, right and centre, yeah. to keep things interesting. But the UK was a no-ho for these things. It was like, if it was a UK exclusive pay-per-view, not a chance. We saw NXT take over London. There might not have been tag title changes, but it was a pay-per-view shown worldwide. You know, we saw normal NXT pay-per-views where titles haven't changed hands. So to see this promo, you were like, don't nah. buy it. See, it was interesting to see that we used to be Saudi Arabia yes. uh, back in the early 2000s. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> it was we a, <laughs> I was like, this is a Saudi Arabia show I'm watching right now. <laughs> yes, what the Queen did was she beheaded Trevor McDonald <laughs> <laughs> and then gave a billion dollars to Vince McMahon. The Queen's like, I want Buddy Rogers. And I was like, I can't do that. But if we dress up the British Bulldog... <laughs> Could we get Bret Hart in? Oh, uh, things might be a bit tense there. More chance of getting Owen Hart on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that promo, I was just like, okay, it's every Vince McMahon promo I've seen in the years since. Yeah. The only difference is the crowd absolutely still eating them up yeah. at that point. And it's effective, like I said, building to the main event, something we maybe don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, see if the only thing that's building to the bloody main event is Michael Cole telling me, oh, it's still cool guys, like, all, all the time in the TV, it just mm-hmm. doesn't work. All right, the fact that you're actually getting these organic things into the show to then set it up, yeah. makes it feel like a bigger deal. So, we now get back to the action. Kane versus Bill Buchanan. So this feud came about because Big Boss Man and Buchanan break Kane's hand on an episode of Raw the month before. Kane's off backlash, but he's back for the UK tour. He's, he's committed <laughs> he's to that extra, extra couple of days. He's, a, he's an extra six days. It makes all the difference, apparently. Um, he's back. This is sort of a weird time for the big boss man. So he went from protégéing Albert, who then just sort of randomly teamed with Tess in the episode of Heat and get picked up by Trish Stratus. As you can hear in the Trish and Leah show. As you can hear in the Trish and Leah show, yes, indeed. He then goes to Bill Buchanan, he brings him in, apparently Bill Buchanan is uh, also built from Cobb County, Georgia. He's now his apprentice. But he's now no longer there at, at uh, Insurrection, I was about to say Rebellion, I keep thinking Rebellion. He's, insurre- he's not at Insurrection, he teams with Buchanan for another month, they break up, he disappears, he wrestles in heat for a year, and then gets injured for like a whole year, he does his ACL and then returns late 2001, early 2002 for the Royal Rumble, and he sort of has his last run. Yeah. It is, it's sort of a shame that 
the boss man who's sort of a a mid nineties stable, a, a late eighties and mid nineties stable, sort of had this sort of end of the line wondering thing. He was conspicuous by his absence. It was actually one of the questions I had for mm-hmm. you. Like, oh, he's there with uh, with uh, Bill Cannon in that clip. Where is he for this show? And the thing that always strikes me with the boss man is that if he was still around today, he'd be seen in the same light or even in a bigger light than in sort of Kane Big Show role. It's kind of what he said back, what they do nowadays are in the authority angle. Yeah. He was that in the early 2000s yeah. from what I can gather, which you need someone to go come in and do that job. And from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot, he did that job rather effectively. I think the best comparison you brought up Kane Big Show, I think the best example I can give here is when See when the authority disbanded mm-hmm. the Survivor Series 2014? Yeah. Before coming back about six weeks later. And then Big Show went off and feuded with Eric Rowan in a stairs match. Yeah. And Kane was still corporate Kane. Mm-hmm. Still had all the suit and that on. Went off and feuded with Ryback in a chairs match yeah. for that year's TLC. And they both just looked black. Yeah. They no longer had that role. They looked at a place. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what Bill Buchanan, eh, sorry, what Big Boss Man's like here. Yeah. It looks like he's only there to bring in Bill Buchanan, to be honest with you. Yeah. Who? Impressed? Yes. <laughs> I said on the Backlash review, and it's in my Backlash notes, he is another one who is lost in the shuffle of wrestling's greatest period. Mm. He is an agile big man. You know, he's got the, the big look that Vince likes. He maybe didn't have the promo skills because he was a heavy for right to censor and then a heavy for John Cena hmm. before disappearing in 2004. Yeah. But in ring, he was great. He's a he's an amazing agile man. He wins a match for the boss man Buchanan at WrestleMania 2000 against D'Lo and Godfather. Yeah. With a massive leg drop to the top rope, he launches himself halfway across the ring nice. to hit this leg drop. He is insanely athletic. He did the same at Backlash when they beat APA. Yeah. He was on sort of a run and a tag team thing, and then as soon as Bossman was away from him, it's like, this is a three-minute squash match with Kane. Aye, you're jobbing him out to Kane, and fair enough, Kane, you were talking about they're all being the biggest baby face in the company at the time. The pop for Kane here, huge as well. Yes. Uh, this was like peak Kane like just yes. as a character and it was working but this is the first ever Bill Buchanan match you've I, ever seen I've it. ever seen and I'm thinking oh this guy's going to be rotten no one and done he's going to be a big man there's no this is why they got rid of him and he starts hitting out he did this thing in the corner where it was like a disaster kick-esque yes. thing and I was like where, where, why wasn't this guy a bigger deal like he's like a leaner bam bang bingo bigolo yes. almost you know yes. what I mean was what I compared him to in my head he's that sort of person that I think had he maybe had something else to his game mm-hmm. he could have been one of the ones now in 2005 six yeah they sort of gave opportunities to like say Chris Benoit, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho who had main event status got more main event status mm-hmm. he might not have got that far but he maybe would have filled the void of these guys in the mid card you know, if he maybe stayed around with John Cena. Definitely, I think there's an alternative reality where Bill Buchanan's in evolution yes. and benefits greatly from a rogues like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> the Guardian of the Galaxy, Bill Buchanan. <laughs> 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 he tries to in our universe where David Tito is now a thing and Bill Buchanan just takes his place, but you're completely right. Like, when you look at the, the sort of uh, opportunity that guys had 
around the dawn of the ruthless aggression era to have a sort of upward mobility during the company. I think Bill Buchanan uh, should have definitely been more in people's fingertips. But it's like you're talking about, this is a time full of character. And if you don't have the right character to try and give yourself that extra boost, maybe that's what was missing from him. He did have a couple of months tag title run. Uh, he joined the right to censor with Val Venus, the now renamed Goodfather, and Stevie Richards and Ivory. Ivory won the women's title, Bill Buchanan won the tag title for the Godfather, yeah. or the Goodfather. And uh, he did have a couple of title runs, but nothing nothing special. Nothing that stands the test yeah. of time. The next time I believe we see Buchanan on pay-per-view is actually King of the Ring. He loses to Crash Holly in a quarter-final match. It's a big man, little man thing where he can't put Crash away, and then he makes a mistake and Crash rolls him up. It's quite funny just... To, yeah. Because Crash has like this run in the tournament on TV leading up to it. Yeah. It was a thirty-two man tournament, it was eight man on the night. Yeah. And it's just it adds to that story, but not much for Buchanan until he joins Right to Censor. And then once that disbands, he is reborn as B squared. <laughs> Barry two times. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when he joins John Cena, he's John Cena's hype man. Right. And he actually made an appearance on the lead up to Rock. Uh, John Cena at WrestleMania 28. Did he? Yeah, Mick Foley produced a This Is Your Life <laughs> vignette and brought back B Squared. And B Squared said, Well, after John Cena, I lost my job, I lost my home, my life, wife left me, my dog died. What I'm saying in short is, John, you've ruined my life, and he just leaves. <laughs> and that's the last we have ever seen of Big Barry Buchanan in WWE. That's class, man. I like that. I actually really like that. I haven't seen that segment, I have to say. But that's pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned Kane, obviously, the pop he gets. He wins via one arm chokeslam. You, and you also mentioned the upward mobility of people like Edge, Chris Benoit, mm. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho. WWE at this time were so good with that. Because The Rock and Triple H were the second place heels and face. When Austin and Undertaker got injured, mm. Rock went up to the first place babyface, Triple H went up to the second place. You had Kane going up second place babyface, and then I'll just a list of characters. Possibly Kurt Angle, you could say, was the yeah. second place. Or sort of breaking up. Yeah, it, it was like Big Show for a bit, then it went to Kurt Angle when he turned face. But they always had that. Right, you're waiting in the wings. They had, you know, we mentioned Barcelona later. Yeah. Earlier on, sorry, they always had that person coming in later that could do the job, unless it's messy, you know, yeah. of course, because you can't replace him. Exactly. But there you go, The Rock's messy. That's the Rock's it. messy. <laughs> but everyone else should have someone from the academy who can yes. come up. And I do like that. And um, one of the things that strikes me about Kane is not so much as a wasted opportunity, but how much you do need to appreciate his ability to roll with the times because it's such an interesting character but the fact that he was able to mould that character for better or for worse um, so it never really got too stale at any given point over the years is one of the testaments that a lot of people say about Chris Jericho and his ability to get to adapt but I think Kane deserves equal amounts of plaudits for yes. that as well The thing is, Kane's always just taken what has been given as well, that's the thing he's never been like Jericho always talks about, oh well I had to tweet this, I had to tweet that, I had to tweet this. Kane just goes, I okay. Yeah, we'll make it work. So, yet another McMahon family segment. Mm. Triple H is backstage with Stephanie McMahon, women's champion by the way. Yeah. Holds it until, I believe, just before SummerSlam. <laughs> she won it on 
a fair bit of addition of Raw and holds it all the way to just before SummerSlam where Mick Foley demands she defends it against Lita. The Rock is especially his ref and all interference is banned. Um, so Triple H, you wonder why women's wrestling suffered at this time, yes. Stephanie's the reason. Uh, Triple H says he feels honoured to be told that he's a McMahon member and Stephanie with some horrendous acting says, I think he meant you. Do you know what I was? I, I think it's genius on her part though because this is every Dixie 90s character <laughs> like rolled into one amalgam of Stephanie McMahon and a lot of people actually enjoy controversially the billion dollar princess of Stephanie mm-hmm. McMahon back from this time than I do enjoy uh, <laughs> the what is it, the Queendom version of Stephanie McMahon? Standard race, never gonna be done, <laughs> From now, this is just more interesting, there's more involved yeah. in it, you know what I mean? Like, she's like, your ditzy, spoiled brat, like, doesn't know what the value of money or anything like that. That's a more interesting character for, for me. Like, I wrote that down, I was like, I like this version of Stephanie better, because she's more irritating. <laughs> yeah, see, a terrifying comparison here is the fact that Stephanie at this point has no power. So being ditzy and pretending to be in charge yeah. is quite funny. She's like Boris Johnson without the fear of Brexit. <laughs> she is. She is. There's only the fear she'll put herself in an arse or Oh, good <laughs> So, next up we have Road Dog with Tory versus Bradshaw with Farouk. So we have yet another person here minus their tag partner. Road Dog has just decided to take his partner x Pac's girlfriend on a trip to London. Nothing suspicious, nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the circuit chants are still going strong, but my god, DX is a shell of itself. Mm. We mentioned this quite a lot in the 2000s of Retro Review, that they're just, they're sort of on their arse. Yeah. DX, they're sort of not what they used to be. They only exist now to basically prop up McMahon's stable. Because, yeah. like we've seen with J&J Security, they're funny, so are the Stooges, but if you don't have that Kane and Big Show backing them up, it loses threat. Yeah. So the fact that Road Dog, X Pac, Billy Gunn before he got injured were basically just the hired heavies of Triple H. Yeah. Whereas before they were just such an entertaining team. And it is, it is a shame. Yeah. But, but at, the, at the same time, I was like, this isn't DX, this is. Um, like just the DX branding on Road Dog yeah. <laughs> at this point trying to make him a singles character um, Tory um, don't have much to say about Tory another bland character I will I will say this for her in a world of bland female characters she was probably one of the most effective on the night <laughs> like at least there was some acting involved at the beginning of this match when Bradshaw was getting quite creepy <laughs> like you know so I'll give that to Tory <laughs> Yeah, X-Pac's not on the show, I just remembered there, I've, I've slated it. Mm-hmm. But six days before, they lost to Edge and Christian mm-hmm. in a tag team title match. DX were trying to cheat their way to victory, and in a case of turnabout fair play, mm-hmm. Edge and Christian grabbed the ring belt and busted X-Pac open. Yeah. He is home nursing six stitches. <laughs> Poor Farouk. He must have sat on that flight to London for about seven hours, mm-hmm. and in the space of four minutes, he accompanies Bradshaw to the ring, does commentary, Chases Tory around the ring, 
beats up Road Dog and then gets ejected from the match. I'm going to say this. This was my least favourite match on the show. <laughs> I thought it was dreadful. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't argue with it. Honestly, it was so clunky. No idea what they're going for at the start. Farouk gets to Coventry and he's just like, this isn't going to last long. And you think he's talking about the match and Bradshaw. No, he's talking about himself and <laughs> his own stint in Coventry. He's like, this won't last long, fellas. <laughs> he just takes off the headset, gets ejected away up the road and... None of it made any sense. Like when people criticise like overbooking matches and attitude era, this is like one of the things they're talking about. You know, not hundred percent. I think this may have been like an Xbox versus Xbox and Road Dog versus Bradshaw and Farouk, and they basically had to improvise at the last minute. Mm -hmm. But my God, they did not do a good job of it, did they? It's so clunky because like you look at Road Dog and uh, Bradshaw. In their careers over the years, and Road Dog, a very effective tag team wrestler, but yeah. more powerful as a promo guy. Bradshaw, a good powerhouse wrestler, even singles on his day, but he does need the right opponent to yes. bring it out in him, and Road Dog is not that guy, <laughs> very clearly. Uh, it's your least favourite match in the show, it's my least favourite match in the show, we'll just get to the end of it. The finish comes when Tory distracts Bradshaw, Road Dog gets a pump handle slam for the win. One, two, three, and we move on. Is it the worst finishing move of the Attitude Era? I would say so because the worm and the people's elbow, although not effective in an actual fight, yeah. I, I tried that in a bar fight. And... <laughs> <laughs> w, oh, ball in the back of the head. <laughs> um, they, and the crowd love it. The crowd suspend disbelief because it's two very popular characters. Yeah. The pump handle slam seems like the drop kick and the abdominal stretch. They must have been moves in their day, mm -hmm. but they are no longer moves that are effective. Mm -hmm. Like Neville, Neville when he was running the cruiserweight division, yeah. had a superplex as his finisher, but he set up for it and you knew like he put everything into it, so you were able to suspend your disbelief. Whereas, totally. whereas here. Pump handle slam. It's a dying breed to the the DX brand. Just uh, I firmly believe you can use any move as a finisher mm -hmm. as long as you sell it effectively. I still think a sleeper hold with the right wrestler works as a great effective mm -hmm. finisher. Road Dog did nothing different with this pump handle slam to what anyone else did. Didn't look it more powerful. JBL's put it. Bradshaw's finisher was a bloody clothesline, oh. but it, you bought it as a finisher because of what he put in it. You know what I mean? The pump handle slam is just a complete nothing move, man. There's a conversation with uh, I believe it's the Stone Cold podcast where Paul Heyman talks about a headlock. A headlock can be effective if you give it to someone like Mark Henry, who's yeah. called the world's strongest man, and he puts people in the headlock and instantly, they don't get a chance to tap out, he just puts the headlock on and they pass out yeah. and the bell goes and you have Vince McMahon protected by saying, we're going to give this guy a headlock for a finisher and if any of you in the back use it as a middle of the match and move or your finisher or you steal it, you're going to have him to deal with. Yeah. And you basically put onus on it that it's this guy's finisher, no one else's. And then when someone say, say they did it in the two thousands, a cut angle when he gets put in the headlock yeah. instead of falling, hits somebody angle slam. The crowd love it. The crowd, the master lock. There you go. That was a prime example back in the day. Aye. It is merely a full Nelson hold. Exactly. And when Bobby Lashley broke it on the lead up to WrestleMania, the crowd. It's so simple and yet it's a lost art. So next up, it is the match. 
rematch of matches. The match you and I have been wanting to talk about for weeks. It is the cat with Mae Young versus Terry, the trailblazer, the original diva with the fabulous Miller in her corner. Are you ready for some puppies and kitties? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God, man. Mae Young, with that jumper she's got on, mm. looks like she's came from one of those photo booths that you get at weddings and parties with, like the props. Mm. All she's missing is a plastic guitar and the massive sunglasses. Mae Young, like, it's one of those things when I'm actually looking at her, it's like, is she a genius? Is she playing into the character here perfectly? Or is this just totally accidental? <laughs> That's a complete lack of self-awareness. I have long thought it's accidental. I, I think she was a senile woman who they just kind of kept in a couple. They're like, um... <laughs> Who's the old guy that used to sing Flower of Scotland? Yeah, I don't know his name, but the one who brought every Scotland match. I, I think they just keep him in a cupboard at Hamden and then just, right, Ronnie, oh, Flower, not yet, not yet. <laughs> they, they need to wait. I think it, that's all he can sing. He sings the full song Aye. and then goes round again. They need to wait. To the, he's finished. Michael, Michael, oh, Flower of Scotland. <laughs> and we'll see. That's me, young. Yes. Um, what can you say about this match? Two women, scantily clad, high-heeled boots on, not exactly a five-star technical classic that's about to take place. Not even a good arm wrestling match. Not even a good arm, <laughs> yeah. Terry keeps stretching, you know, she, she takes off her jeans and reveals that she's got a one-piece on. She starts flashing her arse at the crowd. Something for the dads, this is called, I think. Something for the dads. <laughs> Game of Thrones fans. Yes. <laughs> so, in a match for the ages, Terry spits water in the face of the cat and starts to win the arm wrestling, only for Mae Young to then drench Terry, and the cat wins in a match that lives long in the memory of all of us. The cat won? The cat won. <laughs> someone won. I forgot no, who not, won. Not the viewer, but someone. <laughs> what was the bloody point in this? Was the WrestleMania 2000 match better? No. The WrestleMania 2000 <laughs> match was a cat fight with both women, the old women in the corner. Uh, Don French and her pal for Birds of a Feather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Coffin Dodgers in the corner, Val Venus is the referee, and it was the first person to throw their opponent out of the ring. And Mae Young, as the worst corner woman ever, kept distracting Val Venus as her own client cat threw Terry out of the ring. So Terry, while she's out of the ring, gets thrown back in by Miller. Miller pulls the cat out under the rope right. and then shouts Val Venus. Val Venus turns around, sees them on the floor and just goes, Oh, she must have been thrown out. Ding, ding, ding. I will still argue that is better than what we got here. Yeah, um, <laughs> the best part of this match was when the cat and Mae Young were coming out and King says in the microphone, JR, look at that outfit. There's a two-second pause and he says, I'm sure he's talking about the cat, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Terry then tries to strip the cat after the match to embarrass her. But the cat, ever the exhibitionist, just frees the nipple. She does what we've been wanting Instagram to do for years. Yes. Gets, gets those, lets those puppies go. <laughs> I was surprised. Uh, I wasn't angry. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the best came out. Like, I was like, oh, can they do this? Like, is this allowed even by those standards? Like, It's pixelated out, but back in the original copy, like... I I get Armageddon 1999 taped for me. Yeah. She gets her 
jubblies out. A little bit of the jubblies <laughs> out <laughs> at Armageddon 1999. Yeah. It's shown, but it's pixelated on the network. Capital Carnage 98, uh, Sable pulls Jacqueline's top off and reveals her boobs. And it's shown, but on the network it's pixelated. So I think it's a case of shock factor back then, but now it's a case of it's pixelated. And could they get away with it because it was pay-per-view? Was that the reason? Basically, yeah. It was yeah. on... It was on you know, Skybox Office was all the UK pay-per-views yeah. and Capital Carnage was also a UK-only pay-per-view. Armageddon was on Sky Sports, however, it would be shown at 1am and then the replay was 9 o'clock. Yeah. So it was after the watershed, so it was a case of anything goes. Right. Now, as wrestling fans get a lot of stick for the state of it by non-wrestling fans, but I mean, this, this slagging seems justified here. I... If I never see uh, another segment with Teddy and the cat again, I will die a happy man. I just, I wouldn't come back on this show. Or <laughs> <laughs> year to be safe. <laughs> Teddy is then put with Perry Sarton. She's now his manager. She's yeah. sort of just nothing. She just kind of walks with They just Teddy. need somewhere to put Teddy on. Basically. Scene. I yeah. think she had a contract and she wants to run it out. Um, and... What's her face? The cat. The cat. Can't even remember her name. Yeah, just she disappears for about a year. She returns in 2001, February, where right to censor try to recruit her. Yeah. The king, her now husband, mm-hmm. is fighting for her honour, and it was a way to write them both off TV. Right. And that, that was basically it. They lost <laughs> to right to censor, and that was it. That was the yeah. end of the cat yeah. until... <laughs> I watched the Miss Rumble 2000 bikini contest in okay. my girlfriend's house. Nice. And in my girlfriend's house, it is her, and then it was her roommate. Nice. And they are both very educated women, both have university degrees. My girlfriend was having a nap, my girlfriend's roommate was due home, and when I watched the Miss Rumble 2000, my anxiety was through the roof that they were yeah. going to walk in on this crap. I was watching. This one, also in my girlfriend's house, everyone had went to bed, only for her roommate Fiona to decide to get up, she wasn't tired, she was going to have a wee midnight snack, and she walked in, seen this, and just went, oh my, and I'm like, I'm like, it's wrestling, it's mid-2000s wrestling, she went, I can tell it's old wrestling by the looks of it, and I'm like, oh god, and she just went... She just went a little bit of the bubbly and then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a great way to get out of any that, that, that was my my situation. That was when I just went, oh, he's on this card too, and tried to change the conversation. <laughs> it went from Chris Jericho's on this card too to, uh, what are you thinking of making? Are you thinking of getting a takeaway? I was Jeez. honestly at that point, I was like, I'm going to buy your takeaway if you leave this room right now. Away from it. Like, I'm so glad, man, because it's just like, I, I don't like. See if you flip the situation here, right? Yeah. I don't want two guys arm wrestling on my wrestling show. I don't want any arm wrestling on my yeah. wrestling show on wrestling matches, man. We saw how bad the whole Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman arm yeah. wrestling thing was. The worst one's Triple H, Greg Kelly. Oh, God. That, or have you ever seen the pose down? With? Triple H and Scott Steiner. I have not. Basically, they just get their tops off and... This is Triple H at his steroid filled worst, mm-hmm. and Scott Steiner and his WF return. Yeah. But he's full of steroids as well, and it's just two big oily men out posing each other. Doesn't even break into a brawl, it's just a pose down. That sounds terrible. horrendous, yes. It is more homoerotic than the volleyball scene from Top Gun. 
<laughs> that's fair enough. That is fair enough. Can we stop talking about the cat and tell you yes. Thank you. So, from female assets to two giant male asses, as Rikishi and his partner Shokishi, yes, you heard that right, mm. strut their cheeks to the ring. Mm-hmm. We'll have the Dudley Boys versus Rikishi and Shokishi. The Dudleys were tag champs at WrestleMania and fought a groundbreaking ladder match. Big Show was in the main event fighting for the WWF title. The pay-per-view before WrestleMania, he beat The Rock. Pay-per-view before that, he got to the final of the last two in the Royal Rumble. He was doing so much, and then they decided to give him two gimmicks that do not work. Fat guy likes to have fun, and impersonating other wrestlers. Yes, because I was I was wondering why <laughs> he, was he was called Shokishi and coming out dressed as Rikishi. He fought Kurt Angle at Backlash six days before as the showster, but he was dressed as Hulk Hogan, which I thought was a missed opportunity because why didn't they call him Hulk Shogun? Yes. Yes. They called him the showster and he was just sort of in this period where he did nothing he does like nothing for literally a year yeah he wins the hardcore title i think he has a feud with the rock before no way out 2001 but a number one contenders feud but he doesn't really do anything and then it's not until like 2002 where he's in the mix of the Kurt Angle Brock Lesnar feud. Yeah. That we see Big Show as a monster again. Actually giving something to yeah, do. Yeah, he just flip-flops back and forward. You know, the problem with this match was I was against it from the beginning. <laughs> because before it, they showed a clip of our Lord and Saviour, Trish Stratus, getting put through a table, mm-hmm. which instantly put me off, like, to those damn Dudleys and everyone else involved in booking this torrid affair. Um, but, <laughs> like, then it was matched by the confusion of, of seeing Rikishi and Big Show together. And then the match starts. And I just say to myself, like, this is the most house show match I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Like, this is the most confusing affair. The Dudleys are a legendary tag team, but, like, tag team wrestling and rules just went out the window in this one. Do you know what I despise? See when people don't use the tag ropes. Oh, it's horrendous. And the Dudleys weren't using tag ropes. So I was like, you're meant to be one of the most decorated tag teams of all time. And at least you use a bloody tag rope. It felt like they tuned out with this one a wee bit. You know what I mean? So, you mentioned Trish Stratus. This is during the Dudleys period where Bubba liked to put women through tables. There was an actual storyline. He did it to Mae Young, he did it to Lita, he did it to Trish Stratus. This is a sort of stopgap before he goes after DX and Tori. Because Tori and DX cost them the tag titles and then it becomes personal. And it's a good feud, but the fact that it is I like to hurt women is a bit oh I don't think that would fly in this current era yeah it's one of those ones where um, you've got to remember that they're playing bad guys though yeah you know what I mean so it'd be worse if it was a baby face like going and saying oh I'm going to go and kick these women's asses but I think in this era especially now I'm not against intergender wrestling Mm. at all um, I remember it was Angel and, and Jesse were talking about their matches a couple of weeks ago, and there is a way to do it, I think. Yeah. So I don't. I'd actually be interested in watching that angle. You know mm. what I mean? To see just like the ins and outs of it, because I think the angle itself, as you pitch it, mm. does sound actually like quite a good idea. This horrible man wants to put a woman for a table. <laughs> it was. It was more. He had done it to me young, and it was sort of to basically put the Dudleys as a dangerous tag team will attack anyone. Yeah. 
he did it to Lita because Lita was managing SA Rios at the time and it was Eddie and SA Rios with China and Lita in their corner yeah. against the Dudleys. Lita accidentally cost them the match and China threw Lita to the wolves <laughs> and said, on you go, have your fun. Yeah. Trish was sort of an antagonist in the whole. She was trying to wind her up. She was standing, dancing on tables while Tess and Albert pointed and went, look, women on a table. Yeah. And she used to get out of it by kissing Bubba and putting him in a trance. Yeah. And the big payoff was Backlash 2000. Right. Where she kisses Bubba, Bubba goes, didn't work this time, and they throw her through the table anyway. <laughs> That is a a weird angle, but I don't think it would fly in the current product, just WWE itself. It'd be interesting to see who do you think would be cast in that role in WWE's roster nowadays as the woman-hating misogynist who wants to put them through an stables or something like that. I think if you turn heavy machinery heel, because Otis is obsessed with Mandy Rose. Like if Otis just like suddenly goes mental and wants to like, and Mandy rejects these advances so he gets her for a table. Yeah, basically. That's interesting, but Otis is too likeable. I would argue Lashley <laughs> gets sick of Lana, <laughs> and then that leads to another. I'm going to be honest, I think if Bobby Lashley put Lana through a table, he would become the biggest table <laughs> in WWF history, because, oh my god, that angle's toxic. But Jesus, man. You mentioned yourself, the most house show match, it is a bit of a comedy match. The quiches, as I've dubbed them. <laughs> the quiches. Ham and vegetable quiche. The thing is, like, it's like I just called them show quiche. Like, this is also his name. <laughs> <laughs> they perform a double sink phase. Ed and Christian get a run in. Uh, the quiches end up winning. The Dudleys seem to turn face after this match. Mm. Two cool come down, they convince everyone to dance. Mm. Bubba breaks out some tremendous dance moves that we've seen mm-hmm. out of David Hockney before in Scott McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. They might be the best quizzles on this podcast, but my God, they are the most dancers. They don't have the dancing moves. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jesus. So, next up, a technical masterpiece. Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit. Two just technical wrestlers, I think. Chris Benoit to, obviously, people like yourself who... You did come in in 2006, but you only got two years of Elmore before he did what he did. Aye. And as I, I do see why people look and go, can't get behind him. But before we get into the match, we see footage of Kurt Angle touring around the UK. Can I ask you, why does 2000 Kurt Angle look like 2019 David Hockney? <laughs> <laughs> I ask it on every podcast. I asked him on Backlash. He has no idea why. You need to ask him. There's a familial connection there somewhere. Maybe that's is. the next great mystery of the SSR to solve. <laughs> I think David was Eric Angle back in <laughs> mid-2000. He was always the stunt double for Kurt Angle. He was always there. I loved that video package, though, by the way. That Kurt Angle character is something that he should have been as Roger M. Yes. Like, he is so good at that goofy, his arrogant heel role. Like, it's so class, man, because he doesn't realise, like, what he... He's hated. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but he... Obviously, that's what he's going for as a performer. Yeah. Because he basically do that so convincingly with the character and not to break at any point. Yeah. It's honestly, like, the most fun like heel you ever have and I get like it's a double edged sword because characters like that you can't keep heel for too long yeah. it's kind of like what we've seen with the New Day where they did that so well that eventually they do get over yeah, because of it yeah. you know what I mean uh, but those early days like of Kurt Angle uh, with the three eyes like 
pe like personally out of the stuff I've watched mm -hmm. from this era has been some of my favourite stuff man. What I said on the Rumble 2000 review with Nathan was that Kurt Angle is the perfect 80s babyface and the perfect mid 90s early 2000s heel yeah. because he was brought in as a, a babyface he was like the Olympic hero. He fought Sean Stasiak, who he hates here at Suplex Retweet, and yeah. followed me on Twitter for no reason. Oh, wow, wow. what an a-hole. I messaged him, because I was interested in doing a series if we could get enough people of like wrestlers who transitioned from the business yeah. into successful careers, and I said, I'd love to talk to you. And the next day, he unfollowed me. Like, fuck you, then. <laughs> He'd read it and unfollowed me. Like, get up, you Sean then. Sean doesn't fancy it, man. Sean's an arsehole. <laughs> but, um... He was brought in as a babyface against Sean Stasiak um, at Survivor Series and basically was told if it doesn't go your way, improvise. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he got on there because they were booing this over babyface, it wasn't a 90s thing. He said, you should be ashamed that you boo an American hero. And from then on it was like, yes, your American hero is here. Yeah. And it just, it, it was, it's something that you wish you would see with maybe a Roman Reigns character. Mm because that's a character they keep trying with and keep throwing in to the WWF title picture, the Universal title picture, with the same gimmick, with a Hulk Hogan-esque gimmick, and it doesn't work anymore. I think the key difference between the two is though, that Kurt Angle was allowed to go and do what he wanted with this character, mm -hmm. and eventually got himself over because of it. Roman Reigns when he took the shield was offered that same freedom mm -hmm. to an extent and got himself over but as soon as you start to micromanage a character that's when it all goes downhill yeah. and the fact that Kurt Angle was given that freedom and wasn't micromanaged was the secret to the success so I think it does that's one of the key differences between this era and the, like the modern contemporary times is that Kurt Angle is allowed to go out there and do his thing as a character all these other performers are go out there do your thing as a character yeah. and then we get people like Cedric Alexander on yeah. the current product I do not know what his character is <laughs> apart from one night he was a janitor <laughs> so um, Ben Law won the Incarnate title from Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 2000 Six days prior at Backlash, he defended the title against Chris Jericho. Mm -hmm. He then loses the title on TV and then comes over to the UK in a non-title match. We'll talk about Jericho later, he's IC champ, yeah. he doesn't defend the title. Is it a bit silly to have two pay-per-views six days apart and put the, team, the title change on TV? It's just nonsensical. I think these were different times and now we talked about how the Wednesday Night Wars isn't really a true reflection because you have so many other ways to digest this wrestling content, mm -hmm. uh, content rather. Back in that day, mm -hmm. television and ratings were king and key and crucial to your brand. And if you weren't given title changes away on television every so often to sort of flavour it up and keep things interesting, you weren't going to get those weekly raw viewers in and out. So to an extent, I do agree with what you're saying, because for me, a pay-per-view should always be like, right, this is the big event we've been leading up to, and this is where a big change should happen. But you do need to appease those raw viewers and SmackDown viewers as well. So that's a very good point. It is a, a different time. I think I'm maybe looking at it through the sort of, we had 
Crates Royal Rumble and then 10 days later Backlash 2018, you know, if I'd seen, you know, the WWE title change hands in between, I was like, yeah. why Why am I giving you three hours, Yeah. you know, one weekend and three hours next weekend? It's, to, to be fair, that's kind of apples and oranges, but because we don't have the, the curse or the luxury, depending on the way you look at it, of having so many mid-card belts as yeah. they did in Attitude Era, so you're only looking, the Intercontinental title back then didn't have as much as it even does now because it was surrounded by the European European like heavy exactly yeah. uh, so speaking of other mid-card champions Crash Holly's music hits uh, he walks down smug as anything hat on backwards such a ruffian uh, has his hardcore title and he sits down in commentary and says I'm looking for an Englishman to fight but no one would take me up on it I've been to Big Ben I've been to Westminster Abbey I've been to the House of Parliament no one wants to fight me I think of, you know, if he, back in the day, John Prescott wasn't shy of punching a civilian, I think. <laughs> if he really went to the of Parliament, he could maybe have fought John Prescott. Square Man United gave me a fly kick off Canton, I And to be honest, he, I don't think he's a bad character. Yeah. The antics and commentary came dangerously close to ruining this match for me. Yes. Because it's not the match to do it with. <laughs> These are two legitimate class wrestlers you have here putting on an intense wrestling clinic and I love this match I think this match holds up if you put this on NXT TV yeah. today but when you've got <laughs> Crash coming in and JR just like no wanting them they're saying you certainly have added a lot so far to this <laughs> broadcast Crash <laughs> you know he's just repeating the same line over and over King's just throwing in random photo like we've been saying like oh how about Vinnie Jones like I'm just like what relevance tell me the story of Anglo and Benoit tell me how I never got anything with my ears as to why I should care about Anglo and Benoit in this match and when I'm looking with my eyes I can see that the two of them are giving everything they have in that ring and telling a great story there is a, a match in 2014 Night of Champions similar to this it's Miz Dolph Ziggler in a Continental title mm-hmm. great match and they decide to plug a Florida Georgia Line concert and put Florida Georgia Line on on commentary. Jesus. I watched the first five minutes and I muted it. I felt I didn't know the crash thing. And the thing is, you can solve it so easily because we're going to talk about what happened after the match. Mm. Just have Crash in a separate segment come out after the match and complain over the mic. Yeah. They can't find an Englishman to fight and then be like, oh, I'll fight anyone in the crowd or something like that. You know mm. what I mean? Like, that is a better thing for the live crowd in attendance rather than doing this silly thing over commentary because it's a good like I said it's a good story in this match Benoit clearly nursing a massive shiner on his eye you know I mean like play up to that and they did I will say like I don't know how to describe the finish of this match I was going to have the freeze flame on my TV for you coming see the transition into the Olympic slam yes at the end I don't know how they do it but it's a thing of beauty yeah. it's almost like Kurt just barely dodges one of Benoit's punches yeah. and manages to get under and grabs his arm. It's like a technical... I urge anyone, if, see if you're going to watch anything from this pay-per-view, go and watch. I'm geeking out over technical wrestling yeah. here, which, I, you know me, I rarely ever do. I'm more of a character but guy. But what is real wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> big, big stories and all that is what I like. But that one... I don't know why that one thing caught my eyes so yeah. much. It was a thing of beauty, man. Yeah, it's... It, they play up the eye injury, as you said. Kurt Angle does it twice. At one point, he gets out of the crossface by grabbing the ref and throwing the ref's hand into Benoit's eye. Which was really inventive. Benoit here 
is blinded, and that's how Kurt Angle just dodges the punch. Benoit never usually misses, and it plays up the fact it keeps Benoit strong and it keeps Angle as a despicable heel. Yeah. While still keeping this goofy gimmick. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a good match, but as you said, it's one you'd maybe watch back on mute. Yes, definitely. So, Crash Holly's still there, and then next minute, we hear the, the familiar barking. He's not going to stop. He's not going to stop till he gets his shot. His title shot. He's been looking for his title shot since he came back. Unforgiven 1999. It's not the WWF title shot, but it's going to be a hardcore title shot. We had not seen Davey Boy Smith on a pay-per-view since the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble was his last American pay-per-view. He's brought back here. This is Davey Boy Smith's last ever WWF pay-per-view. And he answers Crash's Holly, Crash Holly's challenge. Crashiest Holly. Crashiest Holly. <laughs> Damn, his Christian name. Crashiest Merryweller Holly. <laughs> the third. Um, he answers his open challenge to fight an Englishman. Uh, it's a short match. I think this is just basically for a title change. You know, the 24 7 rules in effect. They can always film something at the airport or something yeah. where Crash wins it back. But it's just, I think, to pop the crowd and give them a hometown hero, because this is... It's the Mansour moment. Yeah, it's... <laughs> you look at WWE, WWE now, right now, if you went to the UK and needed a UK or Irish guy to win a title, you have on the main rosters, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Finn Balor in NXT, Jack Gallagher in 205 Live. Are we including women? Women, you've got Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, sorry. Yeah, you've got Nikki Cross there. In NXT UK, you know, they've got people from all over the UK. Yeah. So they could obviously do a big pop, you know, if Seth Rollins went, ah, and he fights someone for England, and then yeah. Pete Dunne's music hits. Exactly. And, like yeah, there you go. Or, you know, the Viking Raiders, like, we want to fight a British team, and, you know, we've seen it in Raw in Manchester. Uh, the former NXT tag champs and Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster came out and answered the oh, call. Flash Gordon is. Yeah. He's, he's good here, he's awful now. <laughs> um, I think you realise how, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they're not as good as people make out to be, rose tinted glasses and all that. But my god, he's a damn sight better now than he was then. I. I. Or sorry, now than he is then. It's then than he is now. Jesus Christ. See the thing about King though, like, King is 90s wrestling as much as JR is. People say JR was the voice of WWE. No. Jerry King Lawler was just as much a voice of people's childhood as Jim Ross was. I'll say for King, he's better now than he was in like 2010. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there is like a definite gradient back up then. Um, With regards to the Bulldog situation, I didn't know how long Bulldog had been away. It looked as though he'd left for like 15 years, got a job as a, a plumber or something like that, and then just <laughs> came back out in his jeans, man. Like, he, where did he go? He used to come out to like the do, 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 yeah. do, and it was to hype up the fact he is Britain personified. Yeah. They sold out a SummerSlam in 1992 based on the fact that he was going to be in the main event. Yeah. He had that power, that was the power a British star had when WWE was starting to become a worldwide company. Yeah. And you found out, my God, not not a Manchester guy, not an English guy, but a British guy. Like nowadays, you'd be lucky to sell out a Glasgow house show by saying Drew McIntyre's going to be there. Mm, yeah. So the fact that they sold out an eighty thousand seat stadium mm-hmm. showed his power. He went 
to, I believe, WCW, came back for a bit, left again after the whole Montreal Screwjob incident, and then came back and he had this weird, it was like, right, you're a bulldog, so you're going to be acting like a bulldog. So his music was barking, quite literally and figuratively. It was. Is he basically what Baron Corbin's perception of Roman Reigns is? Basically, yeah. <laughs> his music was. Or, or, or. And then he, when he came back in '99, he was promised a title shot. All he yelled was, "Where's my title shot? Where's my title shot?" Yeah. He was rock bottomed into literal dog poo by The Rock just taking that a bit too far. Mm. He won the European title for a bit, lost it to Val Venus, appeared at the Royal Rumble and then left. And the sad thing was, for such a legend of the 90s, at the Royal Rumble 2000, him and Hardcore Holly are tied, I mean, you, Hardcore Holly for Christ's sake, yeah. are tied for the least pop mm-hmm. in the Royal Rumble. No one cares at this point. Yeah. He, get, he, he barely gets a pop in Manchester, yeah, in London, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It is a sort of people kind of pop, but then other ones are just kind of like, oh, I, I thought he left. But it's like, it goes back to the dark night, doesn't it? You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah. I seen a stat the other day that I find interesting for this discussion. Mr. Perfect's running WWE was five years, Trish Stratus' running WWE was like six and a half years. There comes a point where you can still be considered a legend if you go out at the peak time. Not everyone is going to be an undertaker in Australia for 20 years. Yeah. You can still have a good career for five years. So British Bulldog maybe should have taken a leaf out of that book. Said, you know what, I've had my run. I've had my moment in the sun. I'm going to go. I'm going to be a legend and regardless. Mm-hmm. Time to take a step back. Interesting talk. The Rock, full time WWE. Four and a half years, Survivor Series '96 to WrestleMania 2001. That was how long he was full time. He was then part time, so he had a chance to miss him up until 2004, and then didn't return to Twitter. So they, like, if Bulldog had maybe done that, maybe we'd have talked about him in a, a better light. But here, I think the general consensus from everyone that lived through it, and then people that look back on it, is that wow, this this was the Bulldog. Yeah, was this needed? Yeah. So, from the past to the present and the future of the tag division, we have Edge and Christian, their second title defence since winning at WrestleMania 2000. They defeated DX at Backlash. They're now going to go one-on-one with the Hardy Boys. This is the second match that Hardys and Edge and Christian have had that year alone on pay-per-view, not including the TLC match, uh, the ladder match, sorry. They fought at No Way Out uh, for the number one contendership. And now they're fighting again for the tag team titles. This was the match I mentioned before. I have saw about 4,000 times because it was on a, a free video cassette that I wore down. Yeah, <laughs> and it's... Do you know what the thing is, and I compare it to, I know you guys did a show mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago in the best tag teams of the 2010s. Yeah. From a contemporary perspective, this reminds me of the years where it was New Day versus... Usos and face paint. Yeah. <laughs> and it was on the pre-show and we seem to get to every month, every week. Yeah. And they were good matches, but there was the idea of like, alright, okay, let's go through the routine. Yeah. That's the impression that I got yeah. from being a guy, bear in mind coming in watching this in isolation from this match. It was good. Even by today's standards, this is a good tag team match. Yes. With athletic competitors who are very clearly 
in their prime in a prominent place on the card. However, it never really got to that next level, if you get me. It didn't feel like a pay-per-view tag team match. It felt like a good raw television tag team match. This entire pay-per-view to me, and I'll, I'll sum it up just now for you instead of doing it at the end, but it seems to me it's one of those ones where if you're in and you're doing nothing Saturday night and it's on the network, you'll watch it. But if you've got plans and you don't really have time to watch it, you can kind of just see the results in line and go, oh, I quite fancy watching this. Yeah. It's not, it's a, it is a sort of Saudi Arabia show. It is a sort of, you know, Smackville or Starcade sort yes, of style show. exactly. It's not anything special. But, as you said, routine, I don't think we can do much justice to it. It is a good match, as you said. Edge and Christian win via DQ as Edge gets caught hitting Jeff, I believe, with the ring bell. Yeah. The stories after the match, where the Dudleys are now faces, they come out and get some revenge on Christian and Edge. Yeah. They put Christian through a table. A weird painter's looking table. <laughs> I thought that about, because someone got hit with a chair earlier in the night. It's and Crash and Bulldog. It's not a traditional looking chair, yeah. I And I'm sort of thinking like, is this because they couldn't bring their chairs to the UK? Like, did they have to out- improvise with the yeah. tables? Because the tables didn't look designed to break. <laughs> the ones they were using, like, they were using like proper primary school classroom yes. tables. Like, poor Christian. Like, love Christian, but he's hardly built like a, like a brick wall, you know what I mean? I like the thought of some total Brexit means Brexit sort of guy. <laughs> at customs going, you want to bring your foreign objects over here? No, British made, mate, British made. Use one of our chairs. Use one of our, one of our chairs. Help out the road first. Buy a chair from a brick. Oh, Ironically okay. enough, that, nah, enough. I can't get it that. Ironically enough, mate. I can't get it that accent. Ironically enough, that will not be the last Brexit joke we make here. As up next, we have champion versus champion. Eddie Guerrero versus, who's the European champion? with China in his corner. Mamacita! <laughs> Versus Chris Jericho, who's the current Intercontinental Champion. They don't announce what title's going to be defended beforehand, but Eddie cuts a promo and says, I hear you Brits don't like being part of Europe. Eddie predicted Brexit 16 years before that <laughs> happened. Do you know, I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I was watching it and that was one of the things where it, where it was just like, Wow. <laughs> so these things really do go on for a long time, eh? <laughs> So, this is just another chapter in the sort of China Jericho story. It has went on far too long. They fought Survivor Series China one, they fought Armageddon Jericho one. They had a moment where they became co-champions because they both pinned someone in a triple threat match. Then Jericho became the undisputed champion. Then China became his manager and accidentally cost him against uh, Kurt Angle. We then had a break from it when China was teaming too cool at WrestleMania. Jericho won the European title in a triple threat match with Ben and Kurt Angle. Next night, China back in Eddie Guerrero's corner fights, uh, Jericho fights, uh, Eddie. Eddie with China selling. So I, I got lost. There's that much. <laughs> There's that much going on in the mid card yeah. of WWE at this point. China turns on Jericho and then joins Eddie and says, "I couldn't resist your Latino heat." And now they're just back together, and it's like, oh my God. 
I thought we were done with it. Backlash happened. Eddie was defending against SA Rios. That was his feud for a while. What an exciting feud. It was a really good match, but yeah. it's not an exciting feud. Um, <laughs> Jericho and Benoit started getting into the Intercontinental title feud. Mm. Good, you know, were so breaking away from each other. Now they're back together. <laughs> it's one of those ones, we've talked about this being a sort of house showy thing. If you've got two guys who have chemistry, you basically have the format for a match mm. <laughs> there and ready to go. Like copy and paste. Yeah. Why not? You know what I mean? So there's a coin toss. Heads is in a continental title, Tails is the European Championship. Yet, when I suggested a coin toss, when the ESSR sweeps were tied at NXT TakeOver New York, all of a sudden, I was out of order. I was an <laughs> asshole. Yes, Stevie Wilson, I'm talking to you. Well, uh, Stephen Wilson and his corruption is well known. Uh, I do have to say, perhaps a, a pose-off uh, would have been a better way to describe two titles on the line. Well, it would have been him and Ryan. Ryan is the sort of most manly man. He's the, the man in the pub. I wouldn't think he would have agreed to a pose-down. I think he would have went, stick it up your ass. <laughs> you know, the best thing about that is the fact that Ryan and Stephen were both messaging me that night. I think I've won the sweep, I think I've won the sweep, and I was stressing out, and see when I just went, and I swore and said, F this. And Scott took a look at the sweeps and looked at it and went, actually, there is a tiebreaker, but it's Gary that won the belt. <laughs> that was the best thing. They were, and I had to text him because I had Classic a, attitude in a book. <laughs> oh, you think one of you two is one, but really it's man It's Wonder McMahon <laughs> with a chainsaw. Under the ring. <laughs> but she needs to be a sister, Abigail. I decided this the other day. That's why it got off track. Wonder Man for Sister Abigail. Jesus Christ. But yeah, uh, as you mentioned, a sort of copy and paste match. A good match with two of the best of the era. China gets involved yet again. She DDTs Jericho like she did the night after Mania. The cost of the title, good of it, a continuation there. Yeah. But Jericho this time kicks out. It's not going to work this time. Uh, China then tries to get involved again. But Jericho kicks her off the apron, unknowing that China slid the European title into the ring, yeah. and Eddie blasts him with the title, throws it aside. One, two, three. Not an unoffensive match, but just the fact that we were kind of done with the Jericho China thing. It's refreshing to see for me from this show's perspective yeah. because it's two athletic, amazing wrestlers mm -hmm. in their prime going at it. Yeah. And from myself, I didn't get to see a lot of Eddie Guerrero. Mm -hmm. To see him at this point was good. I obviously have got Chris Jericho when he's a bit older, first going through that more sort of uh, I hate you people yeah. uh, gimmick. And then the As old, all old people do at old, one point. So, the old man that he is now. <laughs> um, so it was refreshing for me to see. And I also have a lot of compliments to give China in this match because a lot of people, maybe we don't see the wrestling manager more. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of timing that's involved in that yeah. and she nails every part of her involvement and her facial features for a lot of people maybe she's a bit blank faced but it adds to this sort of aura that you don't quite know what she's thinking and I have like see for a manager we said this like back in one of my earliest appearances in the pod when you pair two people up they should complement each other and they shouldn't yes. deviate or take away China complimented Eddie Guerrero and complimented this match yeah. superbly. Something I think for my perspective and certainly the perspective of Nathan when we did the Royal Rumble 2000 show 
we have read uh, Jericho's books, mm -hmm. and in Jericho's books, he is not complimentary of China, not complimentary of her in-ring work. He's not complimentary of being paired with her. Apparently, she was, you know, she had a lot of pull backstage. Was still going out with Triple H at this point uh, behind the scenes, and it just led to a lot of complications, a lot of arguments, a lot of trouble for Jericho that wasn't there. I think he was just happy for the fact that. Right, it's done. I'm away from because we don't see Jericho in China in the same sort of uh, feud again. Next up, Jericho fights Benoit at Judgment Day. He's then in the King of the Ring tournament. The feud with Triple H, who has Stephanie not China in her corner, and then he goes into a feud with X Pac. He has the sort of classic mid card of feud, and then he goes into a feud with Kane yeah. over a spilt cup of coffee. Right, exciting stuff. <laughs> And then again in 2000 he gets a run with the Intercontinental title, so he, he yeah. sort of, he gets himself different style feuds, he has one of these wrestlers that wrestle just for everyone, yeah. and there is good feuds in there, I think it's just he's thankful he's no longer with China. I'll ask you this as someone who's read it, do you think Jericho's been unfair um, in what he's saying, because uh, maybe it's misogynistic and that he didn't want to put over a woman? Or do you think his complaints seem valid? I think when you look at the people he's put over and the fact that he's allowed himself to be made a fool by female wrestlers before and he did put her over at Survivor Series, I think it was a case of this went on too long and China was very, but people have came out and said China was very protective of her spot. Yeah. And when she actually had more of a problem putting over certain male wrestlers than male wrestlers had putting over her. Yeah. And she didn't want to move down to the women's division because she felt it beneath her. Yeah. Because if she was already wrestling with the men, the way the women were presented, yeah. they wouldn't be a threat to her, which is true. But, but this is time, wrestling. She could have been like a true yeah. trailblazer for that division. Yeah, exactly. Plus, it is that sort of era where, you know, people were changed character like that. Look at the big show, look at Kane. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's so easy to switch a character. I think Jericho sees it from one perspective, certainly, yeah. but we've never heard, you know, even when she was alive, China's yeah. rebuttal. And you do understand her being protective of her spot, yeah, because she was in such a unique role in the company. Oh yeah, 100%. So you can, I kind of see it from both sides, obviously, if you're on the other side of that, it's extremely frustrating and difficult to work with, but I do understand why China would be like, listen, I need to protect my body here. I think from Jericho's perspective, it is a case of she's a unique character and had a role wherever, Whereas he is just another guy that came from WCW, he is just another blonde-haired rock star wrestler yeah. who has been brought in and if he fails, there is a thousand people waiting to take his place. So, don't know who to believe basically, but... I like both of them. I, I do like both of them, I think <laughs> it is just a case of this storyline itself. Yeah. I'm more of a 90s and DX China, after this... Sort of you don't like Mamacita? I know, I like Mamacita. Latino heat! <laughs> King putting Hispanic relations back thousands of years. It was that, I hated it, and then at the same time, every time he did it, I'm giggled. I'm like, you hated yourself. I had to like, stop it, Jerry. Sitting there like Elton John, it's a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as Eddie wins, we see yet more McMahon drama. Shane and Triple H fighting for Vince's love. Stephanie says, it's going to stay in the family. What does it matter? And both guys both yell, It's gonna be me. 
We've got Elton John, we've got Zac Efron, we have got NSYNC in the podcast now. Jesus Christ, man. But both guys are saying, I'm going to be the champ. Shane's like, well, you've been champ already, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple H is like, no, I'm the game, I'm the actual wrestler. Yeah. I deserve to be champion. Um, we cut to a Rock promo, the pop, yet again for The Rock, unreal. Michael Cole asked him his thoughts on the McMahon's family drama. The Rock says he doesn't care about the infighting, inbreeding or incest within the McMahon family camp. All that matters is that he's going to be WWF champion by the end of the night. Uh, Shane has Vince in his corner, Triple H is Stephanie. The Rock, unlike six days ago where he had Austin in his corner backlash, has no one. Has no one, no Linda McMahon, no Mick Foley, no one. He has Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner, yes. <laughs> it's The Rock versus The Odds. Rock starts this match like a bat out of hell. He takes out Shane, he goes after Triple H. Shane goes to come back in, he takes him out again. And then when his back's turned, Triple H with a massive clothesline to the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And it starts off, what's well, a good 10 minutes of Shane and Triple H just double teaming The Rock. It's basically a handicap match. JR's trying to, you know, plead on commentary for decency. Like, why is this allowed to happen? Why is this happening? And you know, you've got King ever the corporate stooge is going, no, 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 I like The Rock, but I mean, he's not champion material. Shane McMahon, he's a McMahon, that's champion material. <laughs> Triple H, he's the game, that's champ. You know, commentary here is very good. Yeah. And Vince McMahon, every time Triple H or Shane McMahon, yeah, hit him, Triple H. Yeah, hit him, Shane. Yeah, hit him. His favourite one of that was, um, do you like the point in the match when it was like the, the dual sleeper holes were put on? Yeah. And he's, he just says, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he's not talking about them going down. That's him as Vince McMahon saying, never do that move yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, never, ever, ever do that again. <laughs> do you know, I love triple threat matches. Mm-hmm. I loved this match to watch it, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. But usually I hate the template of this match. Yeah. I think it's done to death. Yeah. See one baby face against two heels that gang up and then eventually, oh, Look, they've fallen out because only one can be champion. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely. Yeah, it's very formulaic. Yeah, yeah, it's like there was a while it was Dean Ambrose uh, when they broke away from the authority and the shield. Yeah. He put in matches with uh, Ryback's mm-hmm. and then they fell out because he couldn't. And then Ryback's had some weird alliance with Del Rio at the time. He could put the fatal four way. Then all of a sudden the three of them start fighting and that allows Ambrose to retain. Yeah. And it's just, it's very formulaic. I would have liked to have seen maybe, like, the uh, Survivor Series 2009 match. It's John Cena versus DX. My you know favourite exactly triple yeah. threat match, maybe. And the bell rings, and Shawn Michaels super kicks Triple H out of his boots, <laughs> out of the ring, and looks John Cena dead in the eye, who has his jaw on the floor, yeah. and says, it's not about DX, it's about the title, and we're coming for have it. Have you seen the promo they did the night after? Yeah, and Sh- uh, <laughs> Sh- Sean's like, my bad. <laughs> he was like, but I knew you were going to do it to me. And then Triple H's like, that's beside the point. Uh, that's beside the point, you did it to me. I would like to have seen Shane maybe, like if Triple H just went, I'm not getting in the ring, or yeah. something like that, and was standing on the apron, and then Shane hits him with a drop kick. And when The Rock sort of like, what the hell, Shane runs after The Rock and starts doing his punches. Yeah. There is a bit in this match though where Shane starts doing his Shane punches. Off the Shane punches. Triple H <laughs> then follows him and starts rope-a-doping horribly. <laughs> and then The Rock, just with all this charisma, gets up, 
steals the rope rope and then double elbows them both in the head. I love that. It's brilliant. That's wrestling. I don't know, see that's about yes. Shane. See when you go back and watch these old pay-per-views, uh-huh. it actually renders the complaints about Shane McMahon like obsolete. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's like, oh, he came back and he was presented as this big deal. I was like, dude, he was main event pay-per-views against The Rock <laughs> when The Rock was at his biggest like ever. What are you talking about? The three pay-per-views prior to this, Shane McMahon was in the Big Show's corner of the main event of WrestleMania. Yep. He was, sorry, that was two prior. One prior, he was the special guest referee in the match with uh, Triple H and The Rock. Yep. One prior, WrestleMania, Connor Big Show. One before, the semi-main event, Rock Big Show, he gets involved and costs The Rock the match. Yeah. He was in matches with The Rock, four pay-per-views in a row. He is involved in a run-in in the Iron Man match with The Rock Triple H half a month after. He is then in a six-man tag match with WWF title at King of the Ring 2000. You have Kane, Undertaker and The Rock on one team. You have Triple H, <laughs> And then you have the two McMahons on the other team. Yeah. And, you know, even the year before, it was main event pay-per-views against Stone Cold Steve Austin. For me, Shane McMahon, I hope when history looks at Shane McMahon, they look back kindly. Yeah. And I think he's been, from a modern perspective, has been misused, mm-hmm. just used too heavily. But when you look back at your favourite moments of wrestling, I gu- I'll guarantee most people if they are from like the 90s onwards, mm-hmm. a lot of them will in some way involve Shane McMahon. Yeah, and I think the thing with Shane McMahon as well, like although he has had this run where he didn't take any comeuppance, you can't have him get his, his comeuppance every week, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, that's how you it, Yeah, like Austin's first stunner on McMahon, he didn't stun him again until I believe it was, I believe it was July, he didn't stun him again until uh, Survivor Series. You know, he stunned Shane just about every week, he stunned The Rock, he stunned Undertaker, he stunned Kane. But he never gets the, the champion. Boss. Yeah, exactly. You never, like, put it this way. The DC TV shows, Arrow and Flash, mm-hmm. you're introduced to a new villain in episode one, and you know nothing about them. It's frustrating because you're like, oh, who's that? Yeah. You then get episode two, you might get a wee bit more, you might not. Yeah. It's round about episode 12, you find out, these are the motives, or this is who's under the suit, or this is who's under the mask. Yeah. You're not meant to get it straight away. Mm-hmm. And then in the season finale, they either defeat them, or they carry on to the next year if they think it's successful enough. Exactly. It is simple, simple storytelling from TV series to even the Avengers. When they said the Avengers were going to be a two-parter, they didn't defeat Thanos in the first part. Exactly. They defeated him in the second part. It's the same thing with Shane McMahon. For me, he's like, see me watch Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was as much about the exciting supporting characters as it was your main players. Shane McMahon was, for WWE in the 90s, the most exciting supporting character you could have. Yeah, exactly. And he was always the guy that took the fall for Vince McMahon. But when Vince McMahon in modern day is not on TV, then of course he's going to take the ball. As a face, he had that. And bear in mind, we all supported him as a face for the first year and a half when yeah. he came back. Because he he's had, the anti-McMahon McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> he had that sort of, I'll lose, but I'll give you a fight and I won't go down and I'll give you, I'll jump off something. Yeah. And when he becomes the heel, you see Elias getting attacked and getting his 24-7 title taken off him. You see Baron Corbin, you see Lashley, you see Drew McIntyre getting yeah. attacked and losing 
the likes of Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. It's only when you go up the card and you get to SummerSlam and then you get to the first SmackDown on Fox. Yeah. Then Kevin Owens gets his win. Yeah. Then Kevin Owens gets to fire Shane McMahon. You know what I mean? It's it's not done in six weeks. Exactly. It's not done in an episode. Mm-hmm. And it has to take time. And I agree with you. I hope we look back kindly. Because he's always been there or thereabouts in the exactly. event. Well, say The Rock, though. Mm-hmm. I love The Rock. I know you love The Rock. He's not... The pay-per-view was built around the McMahons. Yeah. And in some way, it does make The Rock look a bit vanilla. Support and yeah. No, yeah, 100%. I think something... We mentioned Chris Jericho, how he would tweak certain things. Whereas Kane would roll with the punches, and now history looks back a bit more kindly on Chris Jericho than it does Kane. Yeah. Something Austin did, he was told he was hard to work with because he, he protected his spot. Yeah. Whereas because The Rock was brought up in the business and his father wasn't a main event star. Yeah. He was a mid-card singles wrestler and a tag wrestler. He knew about putting people over, he knew the importance. He was never shy, he never looked to be a problem guy. Yeah. I think sometimes if he turned around and went, hold on a minute, this is meant to be, I'm the champion. Yeah, why does he not have like a proper mm-hmm. time to shine? He should be featured just as yes. easily throughout the show. And it, it does just seem, if you watch this pay-per-view in single yep. continuity, it just seems like the baby face overcomes the odds and there's not much there. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't help that you're not in the open promo package. Yeah. Because it's it's seen that WrestleMania 2000 was not built with the WWE title when it should have been The Rock and Triple H. Rock going after Triple H for his title and the fact that he retired his friend Mick Foley. Yep. It was built around there is a McMahon in every corner. It, it's nicknamed McMahon. We need to see Linda. <laughs> it's nicknamed McMahon-O-Mania. And then Backlash is built around Stone Cold is in The Rock's corner. Stone Cold's back. But who, whose side is Vince McMahon on? Then this pay-per-view is built round will the McMahons get along? And it, it happens so... And then you've got six-man tag in a couple of months will yeah. the McMahons win the WWE title? Yeah, it's it's built round that and then it's built round... Judgment Day is now then built round Shawn Michaels as the guest referee. Will he help Triple H regain the title? Not will he screw over The Rock? And as we mentioned the vignettes here and Backlash, there is a lot of vignettes that King of the Ring wins the sixth man tag, and it's all, will Vince McMahon keep his cool? Well, not will Triple H regain the title, it then, the shift, it then shifts from Triple H to the the McMahons again. And don't get me wrong, there's an interview with Undertaker, Kane and The Rock, where they talk about the WWF title, but it is overshadowed by the fact that there's twice as many interviews with the McMahons in them, talking about getting along. It's just one of those things where, like I said, and like you said, I watched this in isolation, and I know if this was my only experience of The Rock, I would not think The Rock was a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you talked about the crowd, the pops the crowd give. You know, they might have gave a big pop to anyone, you know what I mean? Rock was serviceable, you know what I mean? That's too cool, but (laughs) an arguably bigger pop. Tell me about El, El Hebner quickly. <laughs> so yeah, El Hebner was fired because he refused to help Triple H and refused to help Stephanie. Mm-hmm. He was then reinstated by Linda oh. and was put into the main event as an impartial referee because everyone else was viewed to be on the payroll. Right. 
but Shane McMahon was also the special guest ref. So he's reinstated by Linda. She throws him into the ring when Austin has came down and taken out the entire McMahon family. And the rock hits the rock bottom. Linda throws out heaven in. One, two, three, and that's it. So we see the McMahon's try to throw every trick at the book at the rock. We see a ref bump. So one of the stooges, Jerry Briscoe, acts as ref. <laughs> Triple H and Shane can't keep them down, so Triple H takes down Briscoe. McMahon goes for a chair shot, but also puts on a ref shot, and Briscoe goes down, tries to make the count himself. Everything in the book, uh, Errol Hebner and Vince McMahon's loving it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> as the way he pulls him Because he grabs him just after he hits one. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has his hands on him for the two count, and then he's like, okay. Eh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do the sort of the Ross and Joey skip from season 8 of Friends where Vince, acting as Ross Geller, goes to punch Joey Hebner as Hebner ducks. I never thought and, about that. And he punches the ring post. It's McMahon's comical. Ah! <laughs> what like, was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> we then see Errol Hebner get chased round the ring by Vince McMahon. Uh, he runs into the ring only to get hit by a rock bomb. Shane is taken out. Yeah. No, it's Triple H, so he gets taken out and Rock gets the pin on Shane. Yeah. So. Rock hits Shane with the spine bust yeah. people's elbow. Big pop, Rock wins the match. Rock retains. Rock's first pay per view title defence. <laughs> because his. Historic. Yes, his, <laughs> his three title defences beforehand he won via DQ. At the rock bottom pay-per-view when he won Survivor Series only to lose on Raw to Mankind. He lost on halftime heat to Mankind after regaining um, at the Royal Rumble. He then failed to win the title at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, won it on a ladder match on an episode of Raw, yep. and then the next pay-per-view lost it to Stone Cold Steve Austin. So much like Sasha Banks at the minute who's never had a successful title defence for yeah. her women's title. He had never had a successful pay-per-view defence. Six days after winning it, he gets his first successful defence. Does lose it the next month. <laughs> Hot shot in the title is always something that I am kind on to sides of the fence about. I like the idea of <coughs> giving someone the credence of being a former world champion. Yeah. Because it adds an element of danger to it. Yeah. Um, however, at the same time, when you give someone only short title reigns yeah. a la Charlotte Flair it kind of harms their legacy in many people's eyes yeah 100% so The Rock holds the title when he wins it at King of the Ring for I believe four months he wins it in June defends it in July August September sorry four months holds it for four months he then holds it again for a month again for a month in 2002 and then when he comes back in 2013, this is just the WWE title run for one, Cliddy's WCW here. <laughs> um, when he comes back in 2013, he holds it for three months yeah. and has one pay per view defence in between losing it to Cena. Yeah. Um, but he's never been a guy that holds it for ages, which I think is why The Rock, as WWE champion, never got stale. Because we saw it a lot, Yeah. but there was always the danger he could lose it, whereas Austin. For a, in 97, 98, it was always great to see Austin Undertaker, but near the end it started to get to the point where yeah. 
We've saw Austin Mannequin. We've saw Austin Undertaker. We've saw Austin Kane. Austin was getting tired as well. Austin was getting tired of it as well. I think what The Rock was doing was a bit better because there was always he's the big star. Yeah. But there's a chance he can lose. I think as well at this time, mm -hmm. just from my perspective, I didn't really miss. Stone Cold or Undertaker on this show because I don't see where they would have fit into the story at this point, except being more puns for the McMahon family drama. Yeah. So <laughs> it's probably best that they were not featured at this point. You make a good point there because Undertaker returns in the middle of the Rock Triple H uh, title match at Judgment Day. Right. He then gets involved and takes out the whole McMahon family. It costs the Rock the title because he gets DQ because he attacks Triple H. That's the last fall in the match, and Triple H wins by six to five. Um, he also, when Stone Cold returned, Shane McMahon was in a feud with Steve Blackman for the Hardcore title. When he returned to Unforgiven, Shane McMahon told him that the person that ran you down was Steve Blackman, and it was so Austin would go after Steve Blackman and a McMahon family pawn. So you've got a point because yeah, yeah. They, they were just used Undertakers in the six-man tag match against the McMahons. It is just sort of, my God. <laughs> exactly. But overall, I have to say, this was uh, my first, one of my first experiences of watching an Attitude Era pay-per-view from beginning to end. And if I was to compare it to a modern show, I would say overall in-ring product is not as good. But I heard about more characters watching this than I do watching modern days. No, yeah, that's a, I think that's a fair perspective. I think it's an unoffensive, fun show to watch. I think it's like a, it's your typical modern day B pay per view. It's one of those ones that gets put in WWE Networks to be extra. I think. Yeah. And if it was on the Saturday night and you weren't doing anything and it was on early enough, you'd probably watch it. If you missed out on it, like I said earlier, you'd maybe check the results and if maybe you've seen the Bulldog thing, you're a Bulldog fan, or hell yeah, go check out the Bulldog thing. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think there's much here to go out the way with. Do you think there's room for a UK pay-per-view? In the modern era? Yes. Days? I think with the WWE Network and with the fact that you've done pay-per-views in Saudi Arabia, you've done pay-per-views in Australia, and they've been watched, you know, you can see what's trending by viewership count alone yeah. on the WWE Network. These shows are always trending, people watch them. I think the days of pay-per-views and worrying are over. I think what they need to worry about is appeasing fans. And I don't see any problem with, if you're going to do a UK tour, maybe just go, you know what, instead of doing 10 house shows that mean nothing and are on Smackdown, we'll do a 70,000 seat arena, maybe like a, an Old Trafford or something like that. Yeah, Spurs New Stadium. Spurs New Stadium, the City of London Stadium with West Ham are at. Go there, put on a big show, and then maybe say to people just so it's like, maybe to keep the viewership, or maybe to keep the ticket sales going. Yeah. Right guys, that's the only show we're doing in London this year. And we're going to Raw in Manchester and Smackdown in Glasgow. Yeah. And that's the only time this year we're coming to Glasgow and Manchester. Yeah. And then when you come back to the UK tour in the later days, you stay at work and you go to like of Belfast, Dublin, Cardiff. You know, you don't, you don't go to these. Because 
part of thing, what I think crowd reaction for this pay-per-view was they weren't seeing it a lot. Yeah. Nowadays we are spoiled with how many yes. times WWE comes to us a year. They mention it on commentary, the next time they return is Rebellion 2000. Yeah. They go back in December, they are in Sheffield, England. Yeah. They only do two UK shows, shows that year, they go to uh, London and then they go to Sheffield and that's the only time you can see WWE in UK. I think part of the reason ticket sales are down now is the fact that they hit the same market over and over and over. Exactly. And the likes of Chicago has Ring of Honor, the likes of New York also has Ring of Honor but has a massive independent wrestling team yeah. that is cheaper to attend. It's the money. Yeah. And also you've got in the south uh, people are going to independent shows, people are going to TNA when they go to Florida, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is a thing that people aren't that bothered. People are spoiled for choice and exactly. I think this, this era of 300 shows a year and splitting the roster in two isn't going to cut it. I think if you're going to do these shows then why not do oh, a WWE Super Show? comes to your arena yeah. and it's the superstars of Raw, Smackdown and 205 and it means you know if for a fact that AJ Styles re-signs a contract but wants time off where you can go I tell you what see on the super show Randy Orton will face Andrade for a month and then AJ comes back fights Orton on the circuit for a month and then Orton gets time off and AJ fights Humberto Carrillo. You know what I mean? You can chop and change. Usually, and it solves a lot of problems. Exactly, it solves injury problems, it solves fatigue, it solves people not wanting to be there, you know what I mean? And it it does give people a rest, because it is a case of, right, well, we did get to see AJ Styles tonight, but I got to see Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, you know what I mean? I'll make you a prediction. I'll bet you a fiver that AEW run a UK pay-per-view or network special before the WWE does. Well, Cody has agreed that he will be in the UK in 2020. I will see your fiver at Major Five. I will bet you a tenner that WWE will put a B pay-per-view in the UK in 2020. That's better. I'll take that better. There we go. So, I, I don't... I, th- I think, much like we've seen with the World of Sport thing, I think what we saw with the Evolve special, going to Quad Reactionary, I think, you know, Wednesday night's always been NXT's night, yeah. so we c- that's AEW being reactionary. <coughs> I think WWE aren't going to let someone else get the upper hand. Yeah. For years they let TNA have the market over here for the simple fact they couldn't cut a market in America. Yeah. And now that you've got people coming over here, we saw New Japan ran Royal Quest in London, so NXT counteracted with a takeover in Cardiff. You know what I mean? They are they are going to try to get ahead, and I think Triple H is the person to push it through. I think he's smart. What pay-per-view do you think it would be? I think we get sort of Maytime tour. Yeah. I think we a pay-per-view maybe like a backlash or something like that. Backlash would be cool. A back, uh, backlash would just look like Well, no, wouldn't you need to be wrestling a rematches? Because, you know, yeah. you've got all the new people coming up for NXT, you've got people coming back for injury, mm-hmm. you've got the fact that there's no longer instant rematch. Yeah. So... Money in the bank would be class. Money in the bank would be class. I think, uh, you know what's kind of ironic about you talking about Cody and we're talking about Cody bringing a, oh, a yeah. pay-per-view here? 
Cody when I went to a show in the Hydro when did you see the breaking news? I believe this is 2013. Right. On WWE's uh, network, uh, sorry, on WWE's uh, Twitter page, the Royal Rumble is coming to Glasgow. Tickets go on sale and the crowd went mental. Never. And he just stops and goes, and he was doing the whole like oh, shtick thing where it's like, why, why would we come here? Glasgow's smelly, Glasgow's this, Glasgow's that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that sort of heel gimmick where you're just like, you bastard. <laughs> you're <laughs> actually sold the yeah. down the river there. I, I don't see the problem with going to the likes of Mexico where there's still a massive market, the UK maybe twice a year, mm. and guaranteeing Canada at least a big four and a wee pay-per-view every year because that's five markets that you're not hitting as often. Yeah. And instead of doing the tours, maybe do... Friday, Saturday house shows, Sunday pay-per-view, Monday, Tuesday Raw Smackdown, Wednesday a house show, and then back to the back to the United States you go, and you've given your guys Thursday, Friday off, and then they're back on the road Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They need to change the times. We'll see what happens. Yeah. The current model would work. I like that the fact that we're talking about insurrection here, but we've went back and forth with other things. I think that yeah. that's added to it. It's not just been. The Rock was here, The Rock was in a match, The Rock fought another man in a match. It does link in though, match. because it, it, does is, link it in, yeah. is the UK, you need to acknowledge that we don't get that now. Yeah. So why is it different? Why is it changed? Exactly. So, let's see. Right, well, we're going to wrap it up here, but just to finish off, thank you very much to David for giving us his time. Absolute pleasure. You can find us at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow us there. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community on Facebook. Android and Android Anchor. Try that again. Android Anchor, iTunes, Spotify. We're not editing that out. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Suplex Retweet, free feed, previews, reviews, and interviews, and everything there. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Patreon. You can find our free shows like Saturday Draft Live there. Great show on it. This is the greatest show. <laughs> Another reference we've got in. Uh, huge Actman. Huge, huge Actman. That, that should be a wrestler. <laughs> the huge Actman. <laughs> uh, find us Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Patreon. And if you can't remember any of this, suplexretweet.com. We have you covered and you can find a list of our shows. If you like David here, you can click on his profile on Suplex Retweet. You can find out other shows he's done. If you like me, I doubt it, you can find me on Suplex Retweet. You can find a list to the shows I've done, the interviews I've done. You can also find a wee link that tells you the history of the SSR title. Yes, I check the, it every day. <laughs> <laughs> David is a four-time sweeps champion. I am a mere two-time. Because I don't like it. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> some. Unlike some. Chris I, Wilson. I like how I said, I don't rig it. I'm the one that runs it. I need to market it. I mean, if anyone's rigging it, it's me. <laughs> Wilson, as long as that uh, Patreon money comes in every month, Frost will give you the victory yeah, shit. Exactly. <laughs> a wee kickback. It's like a Mayor Quimby, Chief Wiggum sort of situation. Yeah. Here, <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hope you join us again for Judgment Day 2000, where we're going to be reviewing Triple H vs. The Rock in an Iron Man match. That'll be me and Jack Graham. King of the Ring 2000, the King of the Ring tournament featuring wrestlers like Bill Buchanan, Crash Holly, Val Venus, Rikishi, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. And a six-man tag match for the WWF title with The Rock, Kane, Undertaker, Shane McMahon, 
Vince McMahon and Triple H. That'll be me and Scott covering that. And I don't know who my guest will be for the future shows. If you would like a certain guest on the show, use the hashtag ESSR, hashtag Ross's Retro Review, and tweet me at Ross McLeod 1993 or at Suplex and you can tell me who you'd like to see on the show. Would you like to see Sarah? Would you like to see Stacey? Would like to see Gary and Derek back? Would you like to see Stephen kept far away from the show? <laughs> Would you like to see David Hockney come back? Would you like to see Nathan come back? Or his co-host on the Monday Night Rerun? Uh, Chris, would you like to see Chris join us here? Daniel Campbell, the fake Diesel. Yes, big Daniel Campbell. <laughs> the fake Campbell, not the real Campbell. <laughs> you could have any of them join us. Uh, just give us a, give us a tweet. Thank you very much. Bye bye.